Today is Sunday, February 18th, 2024, and uh, we have to pray. And uh, we're still in the thick of it with all that's going on. Uh, I have one grandson now who was out for three weeks, and now he's no longer in Aza. He's up north, and uh, they're going through some heavy drilling and training uh, for the next step up north. So, the uh, should watch over all our boys, all our girls that are out there. We should only have the Soratova, the tragedy on Friday. Uh, Idafka had uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren over the house, and part of the crowd that was with us lives in, was going back to Chafetz Chaim, where, the, where my granddaughter-in-law is from, going to spend Shabbat with her parents. And um, my daughter called the, uh, right after she heard the news to check that they were not there. They had to go right through uh, Masmir, right through that area, to get to Chafetz Chaim later that day. But again, two chayalim killed and uh, breaks the heart. Okay, but midafkein vaitu, we got to go further and keep alive and keep alive and kicking in the full sense of the word. Uh, as far as uh, the talk I gave in Beit Shemesh uh, in memory of the Rav and at the end I spoke about uh, the draft problem I, I, I prophesied uh, and, and uh, didn't realize how correct I was and the problem is upon us if you've seen the weekend papers last weekend's papers the Alonim and I hope we'll be able to come out of it with a decent solution uh, that will benefit Eretz Yisrael and Am Yisrael and Torah Yisrael. Now, uh, someone by the name of Ari Weiss called me and left me a phone number. He spoke very quickly, and I'm not sure I got the right number, and we looks like an American number. And Yom and I tried both on the American line and both on the Israeli line, and we got no answer. Uh, Ari Weiss right now is in the army, but there may be people who know him. If so, tell him to please send us an email with his email address if he can. I don't know what, what facilities he has, and we'll get back to him. Okay, appreciate it. Um, I want to deal with a... Uh, a very, what people consider quite an important achievement, and uh, it has to do with Safaria. Am I pronouncing it right? That's a website that has all the text of Shas, Paiskim, and other Svarim, and it seems that they also have on Safaria uh, texts that are not within the guidelines of Torah Hashem. So uh, my dear acquaintance, uh, Rabbi Gil's student, uh, met with them and it seems they've reached an agreement that there's now a Torah app on Safaria mm -hmm. and uh, how, how does it work? Separate, separate, separate. Separate, it's 
Okay, uh, your your more was, part of it. Okay, your more explained to me it's a separate app and it works off Seferia, Torah, T O R A H, capital A P P, period. Uh, it's Torah app with no spaces, and that if you want to use Seferia, all the Svarim there are under, we use the word Hashgacha of Rabbi Gil's student, that could be the uh, uh, Rabbinic Alliance, is also involved, and uh, it's from what I can gather, a very important achievement, so I was asked to make it public. Now, I received a, a very interesting question, and it's, you know, people live in the time they live. If you go back in time, you find it's a different world. And Kenny, what am I talking about? Uh, Mayor uh, Machlin asked me this question that um, he has been told that Rav Soloveitchik only granted smicha to those who would serve in conservative shoes on the condition that they install mechitzat. Why did he choose this particular point out of all possible issues, many of which are obviously much more halachically severe? And let me just take you back in time to the 1940s, the 1950s, into the 1960s. Conservative, orthodox shul after orthodox shul was turning into a conservative temple. The only difference between the new conservative temple and the what it was previously was the lack of a machitza. See, people don't realize that, that there were no women aliyot and no women rabbis and no women cantors. And uh, the sitter, the Silverman sitter where there was one a change, we say, so they say, past tense, they have evidently given up belief in a return to Israel and the Beit HaMikdash bears Rat Hashem. But uh, outside of that, <laughs> everything, they used the regular Siddha. There wasn't the Silverman City yet. And, and you don't realize that uh, the rough stood firm because taking down the Mechitza, and that was the pressure of uh, the Western world, the women, and you know, all that we've gone through until today, and we'll talk, we, we'll, we'll talk about it either this week or next week within the context of the Shia. But uh, at that point, it was just, well, men, women, we, we work together, we eat together. Uh, why can't we be in synagogue and pray together? Family that prays together stays together. Family pews. Uh, can you remember the advertisements in the New York subway? A uh, uh, family that pray, yes. And the rub stood very firm. And ultimately, that's why today we have a great resurgence of Torah and orthodoxy. And uh, today, shuls are putting in Mechitzat, not taking down Mechitzat. We've come a long way. But the Rav stood very firm on this and went public and testified at uh, the Litwin case and perhaps at other, other such cases that reached the secular courts. And uh, Baruch Hashem, 
Today, that's not the main issue. We have many more serious issues with the conservative movement, which basically is not any different than the reform movement today. Everything is uh, at the will of the people, and anything they want, they can throw down, correct, change, alter, etc. But that's the answer to that question. Now, last week, we finished off a number of weeks on a uh, fascinating question of someone can marry against the parent's will. And I just want to remind you, we ended off the class with the story about Rav Moshe Soloveitchik and uh, the first graduating class of Yeshiva University. At least some of the students in front of, in front of him were from the 1928 class that graduates in 1932. And uh, Reb Meisher, as his want was, was constantly boasting about his son, Mein Zun de Goyen, Mein Zun, Agresa Talmud Chacham, and uh, the students who are generally, generally cynical to begin with, uh, took Reb Meisher with a, uh, it could be, he's a Talmud Chacham, but he's not yet the Goyen Hadoa. And Reb Meisher, when his son gets engaged, pulls the letter out of his pocket. I remember Avi Lewis describing it for me, and uh, the Rav tells his father, yes, I know you're upset, you never met the girl, but I have to marry whom I want, and the Rav quoted the uh, Ramah, Tzad de Gufa, Kivit Aviyem, the last halacha at the very, very end, in little Ramah print, Tzad de Gufa. Uh, don't forget that little anecdote. We'll come back to it uh, in a... In a a week or two, right down the line. Now I want to take another question. And uh, this question opens up a Pandora's box. And uh, coming back to what Jack asked me months ago, uh, what makes Reb Menashe Klein unique? And I would consider this chuva a, a prime example of where of Menashe Klein is unique. It's a simple halachic question. He gives an answer. I don't think anyone can argue with this answer. And then, not like Rav Meisha, not like Rav Ovadja, not like any other posek of repute that I know, he says, I want to give you a little musa, and I want to give you a little hashkafa. And as you will see, it becomes tantalizing, fascinating, and to a certain degree, <laughs> how do we deal with it in the modern world? And I'll, have, I'll say something about that too at the end. Now, uh, by way of introduction, I want to quote uh, Yoridea, Tibet Aviyem, Siman Reish Mem, Sif Katan Chaf Dalet. And uh, it's a very simple question. We're obligated to honor our parents. All right, fine. What about our wife's parents? Are we obligated to honor our wife's parents, our in-laws? Okay. I'm now citing the halacha, Shulchan Aruch. Chayev Adam Lechabed Chamav. A person is Chayav to honor his in-laws. Now, this gets involved in a whole question. 
What's, what do you mean? You're obligated to honor your in-laws. Okay? So without going into detail, but you see, the Nosei Kalim, one approach is, yeah, the in-laws are older than I am. Uh, it's a din of honoring Shkenim. All the buses in Israel, if you notice up front, have a little sign that reminds you to give up your seat to an older person. All I can tell you is I haven't yet, it may be in 10 years already, since I last stood. Whenever I get onto a bus or, or to the light rail, People who look 20 years older than I imagine I look. Again, I'm fooling myself, but you know, long beards, white, elderly ladies, they jump up. Wow, it's a lot of, uh, and sometimes it's overwhelming because people who don't look from, they jumped up. I always say, keep out them chinuch tov, give them a compliment. So all right, uh, my in-laws, halavai, I could honor my in-laws. At my age already, I don't have in-laws, but halavai, I could honor them. They raised my wife, and uh, one of a kind, Baruch Hashem, one of a kind. I'm sure Annie is one of a kind for you. So halavai, we can honor our in-laws. But that's one shot. What's more logical is that it's not just we honor them because they're older. That kibar if it's your wife, it's basar echad. You, it's one union. And by honoring your wife's parents, it's honoring your parents as well. It shows you had a good chinuch. It shows these are not strangers. I can't say it's a... Could could very well be. You'll see this in the no say Kalim. Could be it's not a kiyum the right of kibud aviyim, but certainly it is a kiyum of decency and the concept of kibud aviyim. Now, what about your mother-in-law? And there you can look into the Taz, and he quotes his father-in-law the Bach. Moriu Chamizal, he considered Hu Hadin Chamalto. That you have to honor your mother in law. Pitre Chuva, Hu Hadin Chamato. And the Behetev, and uh, everyone, all the Nosei Kalim put the father in law and the mother in law on the same level. So there is the Halacha that. It could be it's on an elementary level, simply Hadata Peneza Kane. However, I think the Nosekalim, I think the general trend is it's more than just Kibir of Zakain, it's in laws, it's Chinuch, it's continuity, it's one generation reaching out to another. And this is the Halacha. No one argues with the Shulchan Aruch. It's only a question of what the sources. Halacha you have to honor them. Okay, now let's come to Reb Menashe Klein. It's a small chuva. It's 
Mishnah Halachat Chelik Zayin Siman Kuf Nun Hei. Chelik Zayin Kuf Nun Hei, a tshuva from 1975. And he's writing to Naftali Markovich from Antwerp. And by the way, Antwerp is in the news uh, today. More and more anti-Semitism in Belgium. It's frightening and they can't have kosher shchita. And uh, I think there are about 20,000 Jews living there. Well, uh, what can I tell you? I hope the younger generation is coming in Aliyah. So this person is from Antwerp. And uh, Rabbi Nasser Klein writes to him, Harabani Hayakar. Yirat Elokim, you know, a general title, again, in the Haredi world, these titles are very important. Uh, and he says, forgive me if I didn't title you properly, because I don't know you individually. Actually, you'll see later, he knows his father, but he doesn't know Naftali. And what's the, sh- what's the question he's asking? And this is a question from life. Naftali's mother-in-law died. His mother-in-law now moved in with them. She's living with them a number of months. I'm calling this... Uh, and uh, she now... She's living with them. And until she moved in, Naftali would always wash the dishes, make up the beds to go to sleep at night, or unmake the beds, perhaps I should say. And uh, his mother-in-law asked him, please, I don't want your help. I will wash the dishes. I will unmake the beds. The more I do, it's very important for me. Zenechutzli, I shouldn't think about my husband. And this way, if she's occupied, she's not going to think about the death of her beloved husband. Okay? Now, first of all, you see from this chuvan, we can't, uh, we can't just uh, dismiss it, but we see from this chuva that uh, it's a happy marriage. And uh, nowadays, with all the divorce we have, and I just dealt with a divorce this morning, uh, Talmud, so I know what I'm saying. It's a happy marriage, Baruch Hashem, uh, to be admired and to be followed, to be copied. And not only that, but you see, there's something else. When uh, people come home from shopping, so they have lots of uh, bags with them. So I, I know in America, here I live in a fourth, I live the top floor of my house. It's uh, not shayach, but uh, in America, the husband or wife will park the car and they blow the horn two times, three times. It's a signal. And the spouse or the children run out to help take in the various bags. Okay. The mother-in-law says, don't even help me when I come back from shopping. Because 
because she wants to be preoccupied and it's important to take in the bags and she's going to take it in and she's going to wash the dishes and she's going to make the beds. Wow. All right, so this is the Shiloh. And he's asking, do I have to listen to her? Or no, there's a din of covered chamol v'chamatol. I have to give cover to my mother-in-law. And giving covered means she shouldn't wash the dishes. I should wash the dishes. She shouldn't make the bed. I shouldn't make it. When she comes home from shopping, absolutely I have to run out and bring the bags in. All right, this is the Shiloh. The answer is very simple. I don't believe there could be any argument that, look, if this is what your mother-in-law wants, this is how to give her covered. And she's explaining herself. It makes sense. It's not that she's being humble. No. She mourns her husband. She's in a state of shock. The more she preoccupies herself, it's therapy. And she'll overcome her sorrow, overcome her mourning. And if she says to you, don't help me, then the coverage you're giving her is by listening to her. And this is what Rabbi Klein says, even and and he says even with your mother and father, if if your mother you want to set the table and your mother says no, I I'm going to set it. It's my responsibility. Step aside. Let your mother set it. Uh, if this is their feeling, this is their covered by listening to them. And here, Reverend Asher Klein cites a Tulsfot. And I have to tell you, I remember as a kid, the first time I learned this Tulsfot, uh, I was blown away. It's Kedushin Lamed Aleph Omid Bet. Wait, I just want to translate the 62. Is Lamed Aleph Omid Bet. Tulsfot Divri Hamat Matkil Rebbe Kafin Havilei And Tulsfus brings down from the Yerushalmi that uh, one time Rebbe Kafin's mother lost a stock. It was Makat the day. In, in where she lived, in the garden perhaps, and she went out of her bed to look for it. And Rabbi Tafin put his hand under her foot that she shouldn't get her feet dirty and she would walk on his hands. And, uh, you know, this is at Rabbi Tafin, but it shows you this is Kibbut Aviyem. And the mother expected it, accepted it, well, if that's the case, fine. 
But then Tosfat quotes the Yushalmi, the Amar Rabbi that that they spoke the Ima the Rabbi Yishmael, that Rabbi Yishmael's mother. Every koshata v'shaita da haviati Rebbe Yishmael b'beit medrash hayataro chesed at raglav v'hayta shelta et hamayim. It's a famous Tosfat calling the Yishalmi. I remember I was shocked that whenever he came back from the beit medrash, she watched his feet and drank the water that she had the schut. You see. This little story, I'll just put it into context. Shirayim. All right, David Twesky has no problem understanding Shirayim. David Goldis, do you remember his grandfather was the Talmud Rebbe in Philadelphia? Your family knew him. And he has no problem understanding it. But a Litvak, I remember where Shirayim, the the first time I saw it, I was shocked. The Rebbe, all right, in Chabad, it's much more elegant. Uh, they bring over a cake in front of the Rebbe, takes one piece, makes a bracha, and they distribute, all right. But imagine the Rebbe bites into a chicken. And then the pieces of the chicken become like kamotse uh, shalal rav, a little hard to understand. But no, it's not hard to understand. You see, it's the, it, there's Hirushami Tun Sanhedrin, that when the Chachamim, the Gedole Yisrael, sat down to declare whether we're going to have a new month or it's going to be 30 days, 31 days, if we're going to have Chaydish Adah twice, etc., Mavishana, so they would make a Suda and Talmidim would sneak in and pick up bread from the floor, crumbs from the floor, and eat it. And you see, what's the idea behind this? That you share something with Gedolei Israel. People feel a kinship. They shared with Gidole Yisrael. And this, it, it, it makes sense. I, I can't say I'm going to chap shirayim. It's not exactly my cup of tea. But it makes sense. I can understand it. The Yerushalmi, Sanhedrin, and the shirayim, Yehi Chalkei, my share should be in learning and Olam Haba and Mitzvah and Sitkut with these Gidole Yisrael. And and uh, this is the concept of Shirayim, and this is what his mother did. She was so proud of her son, Rabbi Yishmael, Echad Yisrael, to share something with her son. So Rabbi Yishmael got very upset. My mother, this is what she does. And Ad Kedekach, and, and they went... And they asked Rabbi Yishmael, the mother complained to the Gedole Yisrael, my son objects, my son doesn't want to let me wash his feet, my son doesn't want to let me drink the dirty water. And they asked Rabbi Yishmael, and he said, yes, I object. And they told him, no, if this is your mother's wish, so 
This is exactly the answer. And no one will argue with Rabbi Menashe Klein. Your mother-in-law, she gave good reasons. The psychologist advised her, how do you forget about your late husband? Occupy yourself. Occupy yourself. The more you do, the better. Morning is normal, but within limits. All right. This is beautiful. End the tshuva. Sign off. You've answered the question. Ah, but then Reb Menashe Klein says, let me tell you what's on my heart. Masha Ali bi ahuvi, listen to me. Yes, kibbut aviyem is important, but much more important is the study of Torah. And here's where he begins to give Musa. Why was man created? To study Torah. Essentially, nothing else counts if you can study Torah. And this is why God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Jack, certified, please, that I'm not making anything up. This is exactly Rebbe Nasher Klein. And wow, I don't know. I think from the day I was married, I helped my wife wash dishes and clean up after we ate, after we had company. Kenny, what about you? Kenny Pomerantz admits he is Annie's right hand in cleaning up. What about a newlywed guy like Yossi? Also, also, gentlemen, are we rotten, vicious, malicious, malicious, hideous, heinous, ruthless, debout, surreptitious, malevolent, apicorous, apicarsen? Or are we good husbands? Which is it? And, and Rabbi Nasha Klein, that the only obligation a man has is, yes, you have to support your wife and children. By the way, in many uh, circles today, even that obligation is not fulfilled. I needn't elaborate. But when you sign a ketuvah, what are you signing? You're signing off that you're going to support your wife. Outside of that, you have no other obligation. Rakol rega verega yinatzel lilimut hatorah ulevadat Hashem yitbarach. Every minute, learning. How do you take off time? You came home from work. Baruch Hashem. You're supporting your wife. You're earning a living. Every spare moment, back to learning. 
back to davening, back to the Beit Medrash, chas v'chalila, to waste your time washing dishes and making beds. And, and he tells off the person inquiring that, and he says, I know you may be upset with what I'm saying, I'll Don't be angry with me. It's not my desire to hurt you, but I know your father, and I assume the son is like the father, and if so, you want to be a bentorah, and these are the facts of life. And here he quotes a medrash that I have dashed many times, many places. I'm quoting the medrash. It appears in medrashic literature in a number of places, but I'm quoting it from the Torah Shlema of Rav Kasha because he gives all the footnotes, gives you all the sources, and gives you a proper text. You'll find the Medrash in Shmot Aleph, subdivision Kuf Lamed Zion, 137. And in the new edition of the Torah Shlema to Shmot, it's on page 31. And what's it based upon the Pasuk? By Avidu et Bnei Yisrael Beperach. By Avidu. Mitzrayim at Bnei Yisrael Parach, that they work the Jews very hard. And the Medrash says, Ezehi avodat Perach, zu avodah she'en lo kitzpah, o avodah she'en tzarichlo. What does it mean to work someone very hard? So these two explanations we can understand very easily. When, when they tell you, sort out, uh, for the sake of argument, uh, clean up my office, there's no end in sight. The guy, sometimes you look at a person's desk. I cannot go to sleep if there's anything on my desk. Everything has to be done, has to be accomplished. All right, certain things you can't do all in one day, but it has to be well organized. There are other people who look at their desk. It's a miracle they can find the pen. Papers on top of papers and books on top of books. Uh, I don't know where the word comes from, a real balagan. Is that Yiddish or Arabic? What am I speaking now? Balagan. I'm, I'm confused. No, help me. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Is it a word I picked up in Israel or a word I did? Did I know it before I came in Aliyah? What a balagan on top of his desk. No, clean it up. You start cleaning and cleaning and more cleaning and more cleaning. Or the, Egypt, the Egyptians tortured the Jews uh, for the sake of argument, carry these boxes here, carry these boxes there. They didn't need this. They just want to show that they're the boss, that they're the Jews are enslaved. All right, this we can understand, but Farah. But then there's an unbelievable explanation. The Amru, another explanation, Melechet Ha'ish al Ha'isha 
ומלאכת האישה על האיש. וואו, what does this mean? That a man and all the feminist movements in the world can change this. Generally speaking, women are stronger than, men are stronger than women. There may be exceptions, but 90% of the time, I know to open a bottle, strength, always see the men have to take it from the women and, and get it open. Men are stronger. So when you give a woman a task that is too hard for her, see, that's the pshat. Something that a man can do, but for a woman it's hard, that's torture. What does it mean a woman's work on a man? I'll let you know a secret. In the basic training, one day a week we had to do uh, work on the base. Various work, people were assigned to the kitchen. So one week I was assigned uh, where, where all the pillars are on the blankets and we have to sort them and put them away. Oh, I never had easier work in my life. And I think at one point we, they showed me, go on top of them, and we'll see you lie down on top of the pillows and close your eyes. Oh, that was a fabulous day. No, where's the torture? They're going to give me woman's work to a man, woman's work to carry five kilo, when I, as a man, could carry ten. Ibani Shalom. Fabulous. Good question. But here, too, there's a beautiful answer, and you can understand already my drashat. Self-fulfillment. If you have the ability to have a bachelor's and a master's and a doctorate and smicha and keep on learning and you don't live up to your ability, it's a tragedy. Some people are born anilui. I, I have, with my, let me not talk about my family, but I have some great-grandsons that I see are geniuses. <laughs> I'm worried stiff what will be with them. Uh, an Eloi has to turn into a gong. Sometimes an Eloi remains an Eloi, and it's not a happy situation. And uh, something to worry about. Live up to your ability. I told one great-grandson, now in first grade, I said, look, there's nothing they can teach you in first grade. And, and I, I'll tell you in a second, my children have a bigger problem. There's nothing you can teach you in first grade. Kid already was reading and English at the age of three, reading Hebrew at the age of three, starts writing in English and Hebrew at the age of five. Now he's in first grade. I said, you are going to school to learn how to get along with your classmates. That's the purpose of school, to give you social grace. Everything else you do on your own. Now you should know the school already looked at these children, contacted my grandchildren. Your son belongs in a special program. It's called Chinunim. How would you say that in English? Uh, 
children that are above average. Gifted. Gifted children. Fine. The problem is they live in an area in the Shomron where there's no such school nearby. And the kids have a difficult decision to make. Do you move for the sake of this child? Or do you manage the best you can in a yeshiv where you're so happy? So, you see, this is a challenge. Bafarach, very easy to understand when you require women to do men's work. That can be torture. But when you give men women's work, what's the torture? It's a snap. It's a game. It's a gag. Call it what you wish. Yeah, but that too is torture. Because you have that ability and what becomes of that ability? It's never fulfilled. It's never achieved. You never live up to what you could have begin, become. And uh, there's an expression in Yiddish, Ebanilui, Blaitanilui, this is Nishkan Bracha, that if an Ilui remains an Ilui, it's not a blessing. You have to mature. You can't be an Ilui with Wildkeit and wildness. You have to become a gone with Derecheritz. I can give you many examples of Iluim who did not become Goinim, but that's not for public consumption. All right, so Rabbi Nasha Klein quotes this Medrash, and then he gets hysterical, and he says, we're living in a world where just the opposite has happened. Men do women's work. And you're the example. You're washing dishes. You're making beds. Where's your mother-in-law? Where's your wife? Are you a male or a female? My dear students, this is quite a common, quite a medrash, quite a rebuke, quite a reprimand. And here we come to the modern world. When my mother-in-law graduated normal school, became a teacher, that was unheard of. It's like an achievement. A young girl, not just high school, normal school. Today, who doesn't have a bachelor's? A bachelor's? What's it worth? A master's, a doctorate. Different world today. I go to my doctors. The other day we had a neurologist. She's the sister of a student of mine in Michlala. I go to my dermatologist. It's my own student. First time I walked in when she took over the practice of the previous dermatologist who had been a classmate of my brother in Einstein. She says, Rebbe, you saved my life when I was in Machal. That, I know what she meant. It's, uh, it was 
Michala was moving more right wing and there were still a few of us that had quote unquote our feet on the ground. But this is the reality today. I have daughters. One daughter made history, the first rabbinic female lawyer in history. Passed all the exams at an Ezra. Mishpat. Another daughter had Sabchinuch Miyuchad, special ed, Michala. Another daughter is the therapist at a yeshiva high school, Bnei Akiba High School in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Here you come to a very basic question. Was the Torah given for one generation? Or is the Torah an eternal document that it can be lived and practiced in any generation? And, and this is an essential question. Yomo, the microphone is not working. See what you can do. This, this is an essential... Or maybe it is working. You have to make it a drop louder because I feel strain on my voice. This is Torah Derecheretz. You see, we got used... Uh, how many of you are familiar with the 19 letters of Rapshens Rafuochiesh? It's classic work. We're, we got used to living Torah in a certain fashion. We were ghettoized. We weren't allowed into the big world. We were forced to certain occupations, money lending. Then we were criticized, we take usury. It was a terrible story. But that's the way Torah existed, Torah lived. Suddenly we find there's a big new world, the Enlightenment. Can we live in the world of the Enlightenment? Torah-ish. In letters, word by word. Who forced us into the ghetto? Hashem promised us. Nothing wrong with Yafet if we bring him in to the Ohalei Shem. Those of you familiar with the Rav Zishalacha, the same thinking comes up in Zishalacha. We're not limited to the ghetto. We are part of the big world. And Torah can thrive in the big world without any difficulty whatsoever. And you see, it's hard to adjust. My concept of women, sure. Think back two generations before me, a generation before me, women had to milk the cows, produce the cheese, cook, bake. My wife goes with this sheet today and I agree with her 100%. You got to be crazy to bake. Everything's available here, cheap as can be, beautiful cookies, cakes. No end. Well, life has changed. Women have time. Women are educated. 
Women want to learn Torah. Do we give women Torah? How do we approach the Gemara and Shota? Melamed et bitol tiflet. What tiflet? She's learning math. She's learning sociology, psychology, medicine, you name it. If you don't teach the women Torah today, they're learning tiflet, not Torah. They must have Torah. It's no problem. I've given Shirman it. I've explained the Gemara. And the shift in gears today, you have to have the ability to accept it. Marriage, is it a partnership today? Fortunately or unfortunately, my wife still hasn't made her peace with it. I just spoke with my grandson. I asked whether his wife is going to Weizmann today in Rehovah. She's in postdoctoral research. No, she's working from the house, the computer today. But it's a different world today. Marriage, you ask a girl, when I was growing up, what type of fella do you want to marry? Today, you ask a 15-year-old girl, what profession are you thinking about? You see, the whole world has shifted. And we have, in my humble opinion, we have to shift with it. This is the ability. Torah can strive in any civilization. It's not limited to a ghettoized concept. And here you see the difference in thinking. Rabbi Menashe Klein, he is all upset. Men are women, women are men. There's another point of view. Today, marriage, a cooperation, a cooperative setup, a partnership. The man works, the woman works. My wife is not happy about it. I have to be honest, it's very hard for me to accept this. Women, be home. Kids come home. My great-grandchildren, the age of four or five months, their mothers go back to work, and they're in my own. But I tell you, it evidently works out because I see my grandchildren and their mothers worked. And Baruch Hashem, what a good relationship between them and their parents. I see the great-grandchildren, as they grow old, I already have... But uh, mitzvah, great grandsons, two years beyond. I have a bat mitzvah of a great granddaughter shortly. No, despite the fact they're in my own from a few months on, they know who your mothers are, they know who their fathers are. And see, this is coming back to the whole question of coming out of the ghetto. The Hasidic world goes with the shita. The portable ghetto, Rakhetan has a copyright on those, those two words, but the concept is overwhelming. Dress in black, beard, payish, look different. It'll keep you from. All right, there's a lot to be said for that. But I'll pee din, a person can walk around in a sweatshirt and be a gone, a tzaddik, a chassid, 
out there in the big world. And this is Reb Menashe Klein. And he's giving Musa Olam just the opposite of the Medrash that looks down upon a woman doing man's work or a man doing woman's work. No, it's a partnership. You marry, you work. And I have to tell you, I have many grandsons who are outstanding chefs. I can't comprehend it. I'll admit when my children got married, I said to my wife, Adkan, you never have to prepare. My wife every night was a meal and a food. And oh. I said, no, I'll take my own. Shabbos, you'll prepare. Outside of that, please, relax. I'm a great cook from the freezer into the microwave. You don't know what a world we live in here. So much frozen food, so much. I compare it back to 69. Ain't a diamond. And we're ahead of America. Because you go into Rami Levy, you go into Hosharad, everything is caché. You don't have to look the freezer, take, enjoy. Wow. Reb Menashe Klein. Yeah. He gets upset and he tells off this individual and it could be a reflection of what he's gone through in his own personal life. Could be. But nevertheless, Yomo, there's no microphone. I don't know what's going on, but maybe they have to get a new one that works and not leave us pleading for help. Something, there's a loose connection. Uh, tell, tell Ellie, let, let them look into it. Okay. All right. So this is the tshuva of Rabbi Nasha Klein. And this is the Musa he gave. And uh, this is Rakefit's point of view, which I think uh, represents the Rav quite accurately. Uh, you got to remember that the Rav insisted on Maimonides that the women get the same curriculum as the men, the same Gemara. And the Rav always said, if I get to Olam Habba, one of the reasons I'll get there is because I insisted on educating women. And the Rav said, well, you know, plain and simple, women go to university today, in his time already. And they're not going to know how to learn what Torah is about, what Gemara is about, how you paskin, how we live. If a male needs it, a female needs it just as much today. Okay. From this point on, you listen at your own risk to your health and understanding. I have a Talmud who's been my Talmud for over 90 years. So, uh, yes, you wonder, 90 years plus, his father was my mother-in-law's, fits right in, Hamati, covered, everything we're speaking about, was my mother-in-law's third grade in Yeshiva Torah Chaim in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn, okay? It's not only his father, his father, Joel Phillips, 
And my mother taught Aaron Schechter, uh, Rabbi Freifeld, Schlemmel Freifeld, and on and on. She can, would tell me, she, and, and her principal, Rabbi Schmidman, Shechrona Levracha, the great Rabbi Yitzchak Schmidman, the father, grandfather, or great uncle of all the Schmidmans you know today. It's a family filled with Torah, and you're at Shemayim and Wayu in Turo in the rabbinate. So he told me his greatest teacher ever for secular studies was my mother-in-law. He regretted that she got married, he said. She got married, moved away to the Bronx, and that was it. So, uh, yes, this Talmud's father was my mother-in-law's. He showed up in BMT, maybe 50, Beryl Phillips. Was he in your time, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Beryl, David B. Phillips. Everyone knows him as Beryl. It's about the, it's, then it was a year before you, probably. Or a year, no, a year before. So, um, Beryl is Hungarian. He married now, he's had a difficult life with his two first wives, who I knew very well, passed away. Wonderful women. He remarried now, Baruch Hashem, and he remarried a Hungarian. I don't know how he discovered this. He sends this to me. Right when I'm looking at Rabbi Nasha Klein and his attitude towards women, and I couldn't believe what I read, what was published, and republished once in Hungary and once in Brooklyn. And they published it. I'm about to quote. But all this shows you how the mentality of certain men towards women, even within the Torah world, is most frightening. And I'm now quoting, and I checked it out. I actually sent my Talmud his biography. Rabbi Moshe Deutsch, D-E-U-T-S-C-H, 1844-1931. Rabbi Moshe Deutsch was an Eli. His father was a Stadt Rav. He studied in the Chatam Sofis Yeshiva in Pressburg. At the age of 31, he took on a rabbinate in Hungary where he remained for the rest of his life. He was revered a Talmud Hachem, a Gon. There's a whole description here of the beautiful shul that he built. And 57 years he was there and at his funeral the whole description of the Leviah that the mayor came, Goyim came, revered the name of the Sefer, Drush V'chidushay Haram Bad. And it's the Maran Reb Moshe Deutsch, and he was the son of Maran Reb Aharon David Deutsch, that's how you get the name 
Hey Reish Mem Bet Aleph Talib Harav Meisha Ben Aharon David Deutsch. Printed first in Hungary and reprinted again later in Brooklyn. Put out, edited, put together by his grandchildren. I'm now quoting on Vayikach Yitzro et Sipora Eshet Moshe. And I, I have to tell you that at least he says, I'm giving a shot here, Alpi Halatsa. Halatsa means maybe a bit of a joke. But you know, in every joke, there's a kernel of truth. Believe me, Kenny, you wouldn't tell jokes like this. And Vayikach Yitro at Sipora Eshet Moshe, that Yitro took Eshet Moshe and brought her back to Moshe Rabbeinu. Chazal say, what did Yitro sense? By the way, Yomo, we're back where we started from. Chazal say, what did Yitro sense? Why did he come? Why did he leave Midian? Why did he show up now that he's back in the desert with Moshe Rabbeinu? And one of the reasons Chazal give, Rashi actually quotes it, one of the reasons Chazal give that he heard about Amalek, how they were wiped out, that Amalek was wiped out, the Jews had a tremendous victory against Amalek. And he gives the following pshetel. What did Amalek do? Amalek blamed the Jews for all the evil in the world. Amalek Okay, fine. When you marry, we'll discuss with you women and how they act. Until then, listen to Rav Deutsch and some other wise men. He says, what do women do? They blame their husbands for all dead sorrows. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know what he means, but like my wife will say, who got the dirt in the floor? And I would love to answer the kids. There's only one problem, they're no kids now. But the Baini Shalaylam, he says, and you listen to the Pshatel, he says, now that Yitro knows that the Jews beat up Amalek, Moshe Rabbeinu will know how to get along with his wife. And therefore, he brought back Tzipporah to him, even though she's going to blame him for all <coughs> bad things that happened to her. 
But if you can beat up Amalek, you can get along with your wife. I'm quoting him. Wow. He'll tolerate his wife. All right. I don't know. It's not exactly a positive outlook to your wife, to your helpmate, to your better half. Oh, but that's nothing. Parshat Yitro, right towards the end, right before he goes to Mishpatim. Don't go near a woman for three days this before Matan Torah. Three days, don't go near. And you know how he explains it? Three days is a remez to three different aspects of life that a woman embitters. Darka shel isha lemareh et chayei ba'ala ulekatzeret yamav. And he doesn't say here derech that he's joking around. What are the three concepts? The three of the, what is alluded to? She'era ksuta fi'onata lo yigareh that there are three obligations a man has to his wife, Sheirak, Sutan, Otan, look into the Ramban, you'll get the explanation. Basically it means physical support, mental support, family support, Chayei Shut, Tovat and the, he quotes the Medrash that the women constantly are saying, have, have, give, give. And they're demanding more and more. More money, more affection, more attention, more consideration. They drive their husband's baddie with all these requests. And in order to receive the Torah, leave them alone. Three days. Don't come near them. Don't let them upset you. Don't let them depress you. I'll take you El Ha'isha. Well, yes, I want to tell you, if I could go back in my time machine and meet Rabbi Deutsch. Remember, we start with Menashe Klein when the couple is fighting. This plant a spy in their house to see what their relationship is. I would love to plant a spy in their house to see what their relationship is. I have a feeling that uh, this was a shirach shalom And most important words, open up the Rambam. I spoke about this in great length. I spent a whole year 
in the Kollel. It's on YU Torah many years ago, decades ago, on sex and marriage, how to work out the proper marital life, a proper sexual life. And most important, the Rambam Hilchatishut Perik Tetvav Halachatjutet and Chaf. And see the way I handled those two Halachat and the Rambam. A marriage, mutual respect, mutual cooperation, mutual appreciation. That's what a marriage is about. It doesn't mean we're exactly the same, think the same, but it means there has to be a mutual bridge between a husband and wife. And neither of us, nor the man, nor the woman, have to be exactly alike, just the opposite. But the respect, the affection, the consideration, that's the basis of the bridge between a husband and wife. And I, I often say with Halacha Yutet and Chaf, where it talks about how a husband has to treat a wife and a wife has to treat a husband. So I often ask the simple question that, by the way, any psychologist will tell you I'm right. Well, if the man has to bend down and listen to his wife and be so obsequious to her, and she has to treat her husband as if he's a prince, each individual will become so self-centered. And this is a challenge. But I say, an intelligent couple, if my husband treats me that way, I have to go out of my way to respond accordingly. And he has to say, if my wife treats me with such love, affection, consideration, and understanding, I have to go out of my way to treat her accordingly. So, with all this negativism, I come back to the tshuva. Ein hachinami, times have changed. A hundred years ago, Max would have never been caught carrying a baby. What? Sure. What do you have a skirt on? What are you? What what I see? You have payas too? Or that's part of your hat? I see speaking. No, I have payas too. Yeah. Payas too. To a guy with payas marry a hundred years ago. Today, Max is a credit to the male species that he has consideration, affection, understanding of his wife, who's a great achiever. She's doing residency now, pediatrics, did we say, or anesthesiology, like my grandson, anesthesiology. Oh, pediatrics is my student's daughter. That's, I can see where I'm surrounded by doctors and canine uh, horror. They have all different expertise. And, and, and I come back. There's the adjustment. We have to make it. But chasva chalila, even to joke around, don't get your face smacked. I remember my first shtala, I was stupid enough to tell a joke about presidents uh, not being that highly respected by the Rebani Shalaylam, presidents of shuls. And the president didn't have a sense of humor. 
He was mad at me. In retrospect, uh, how many years later, 61 to uh, where are we today, 24, 100 years later, I was stupid to tell a joke like that. You follow? Could you imagine if your wife uncovers Drashei HaRambad and this is what they printed and reprinted. Wow. That's all I can say. Hungarian rabbinate? I don't know. The literature Shiva, their wives ran the show. Period. Rabarin's wife, Lakewood, Rabisa Zalman's one. Bella Hind. Hind Bella. Wow. The Rav, his wife. When we had a complaint, you read Washington, you know, who did we go to? The Rebbitson. Remember what I told you? The next week when the Rav came back, we were sitting there shaking. What will he say? We complained about him to his wife. He said, you're a bunch of crybabies. But notice, he never did it again. Pulled that shtick, yada, lo yada, shakran. Wow. Never pulled it again. His wife, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, his wife. Rabbi Avram Palm, you can go on and on. The Litvishim. And I got news for, I think, the Palisha, the Palisha as well, the Chassidic Rabbeim, tremendous respect for their life partners. Do you Ngarisha? All right, I'll wait for Hungarian response. Could be that Rav Moshe Deitch is the exception that proves the rule. But wow. While I'm taking Rav Menashe Klein's Chuba to heart and the Medrash that I use so many times in Drashat, and at that moment, Beryl sends me and he tells me, by chance I came across this. Well, all I can say is, I hope it's not part of the Hungarian tradition. But this is Rav Moshe Deitch, this is the Divrei Torah, and Ein Hachinami, in my humble opinion, Torah can live in any society. And in the state of Israel today, it goes much, much further because we're dealing with the Israeli army and so many ladies, women, graduates of the Mamlachti Dati Upanat school system, the high schools, so many of them want to serve in the army today. And what's our answer? How do we deal with it? And yet, they have an open Mishnah on their side. Milchemit Mitzvah. You take the Chatan Vakala out of the Chupa and into the army. You're right, the Radbaz says logistics. Aspaka. I've often told people the army intelligence, the hands of women, computers, there's much that they can handle. Some of them want to be frontline soldiers. I don't know. I have a lot of difficulty making my peace with it. On the other hand, uh, if they want to be, then we have to prepare them. Classes, 
questions, halacha, units that are not mixed, chas v'chalilah in a tank. I mean, my grandson lived in a tank for close to four months. Can't have men and women in one tank where you're on top of each other. But we have to find halachic ways to deal with it within the context of Yafta Lekim Liyafet Yishkon Shem. I have one granddaughter-in-law who was an officer in the army in intelligence. I think I told you. She was so bright, they pleaded with her to remain in Svakheva. I would have told her yes. It's before she married my grandson. Today it's three children later and she's getting a PhD, Television Science, already presented papers across the world. She wanted to go on to higher study. And that's my granddaughter-in-law, the picture of the Sheva Brachas. It was 2014. And from the last Sheva Brachas, she was called back to the army. My grandson was in the army. And he didn't have to have army clothes on because he showed right away at Sav. But she was coming back, was just called up by at Sav Shmoder over the telephone. And she was already in uniform at the Sheva Brachas. And I showed the picture of Satvach Siddim Talmudim of mine. And they said, Rebbe, we're in Borough Park. And they said, Rebbe, we're ready to faint. They couldn't handle it. The picture, army uniform, three bars here, you follow, a captain, and her hair covered down to here. They liked it. They couldn't. They couldn't handle it. But I said, that's the reality. Ashrenu Shezachinu. She was in the bar in Tel Aviv, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. My dear students, let us leave behind Kibbut Aviyem and Kibbut, your mother-in-law and father-in-law, and I'll add Kibbut, your wife, which may be the most important Kibbut of all. And Kibbut Cham V'chamotol comes from Husband, wife, Ayula Basar Echad. Fascinating questions, fascinating results, fascinating problems that challenge us right now. Kenny, do you read Besheva? Do you read some of the Alonim? Do you read Makar Rishon? Do you see all the advertisements about women and their role in the army? Have you paid attention? Then the questions that women ask... Shabbos candles, base, etc. Erev, carrying Shabbos, the questions. And then the biographies, husband and wife team, she's a major and he's a major. Hair covered down to here. He looks like a Rosh Yeshiva with his beard and everything. These, these are real questions. Real questions. And yet with it all, we don't want the man to become a woman or the woman to become a man. How do we keep How do we keep sneered? Follow? It's a challenge. We're living it. It's a what may I quote Rakhafa to you? It's a work in process. That's what I've said. We're part of it. We're part of it today.
that that uh, imagine if someone would have told me when I was a kid growing up that I do basic training, fight in two wars, have a ribbon, a war ribbon of Shlom HaGalil. I would have looked at them, are you crazy? Some would have told me, you're going to work for the Mossad, you're going to see some of the biggest secrets. I saw a computer the first time in my life, 1980. It's the whole wall, you can't imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have, you, have you ever seen it? I've been told about it. Lights flashing. The name of every person who requested to leave Russia was in, was in that computer. You needed to request. You needed a visa. You needed a request from Israel. And you have no idea what the Mossad was doing, creating families, creating relations. I don't want to go into it now. But in order to get in to see my handlers, the boss, to meet with them, we had decisions to make. Three levels of security. The army, I would get in one level. Here, three. The third level, because it was the building with the computer. And, and all right, this, this is life. This is adjustment. This is the new world. How do we handle it? I have confidence. Torah Call it what you wish. Torah Mata. Torah Avoda. Call it what you wish. We can handle it beautifully. The cover do to ferret. All right. The next question I'm introducing. For me, it's the most personal question you can imagine. Because I had so many opportunities in life to become famous, to become a big shot, to make a living. Coming back to the Chiddush Torah, Rabbi Deutsch, my wife put had to put up with a husband who had a lot of problems in the 70s into the 80s. Wow. Barely made, made it the fourth Shabbos of the month. We didn't have them. Don't ask. Taxes. You've heard of that word? Is The whole economy was black. Could have been a Rosh Hashiva, a president, a Chavek Knesset. Made a living, a car. Supplied. Couldn't leave the classroom. Kenny couldn't leave the classroom. If he had the ability to teach, it's the most important Torah profession in the world. The future of the Jewish people depends upon good teachers. Max, did you hear the Knesset had a subcommittee meeting on education in Israel? You heard that lady speak? Rakefet wrote a whole letter to America. Uri Zohar said it 50 years ago. When we came, Uri Zohar was the most important actor, entertainer. And we saw, I couldn't believe he had a TV program. One week he appears with the kippah. The next week, sits it. The third week, the naked woman in back of him is covered up. And Uri Zohar said, I'll never forget this, had a good education in Israel. But the most precious gift that I could ever have, I was never taught Torah. Who we are, what we are, where we come from, what is our vision? Never taught. That's what that lady said. I don't know if she knows the reason I said the same thing. 
She was very powerful, beautiful. Nothing. The kid, fifth generation removed from Ben-Gurion. Kid knows nothing about Yiddishkeit. Speaks perfect Hebrew, knows nothing about Yiddishkeit. Maybe as a result of what happened now, there'll be more, that's what the Knesset committee said, more, more requests, basic understanding of who we are. A teacher, and that's how I got this campus. I have to, please read Washington. It's word by word when I said to Mr. Grish, the Rav won't come, but his students are teaching. It's his Torah. It's continuity. It's a new generation that will continue in the path and the footsteps of Labriot of the previous. Okay. We're going to deal with Mishnah Halachat Chelek Yud Siman Reish Chaf Dalet 2.24 Tshuva from 1974 The Tshuva is too he won't identify because it's too personal he says Rav B'mokam Ploni that this Rav was asked a question and we'll end off the question, class with the question and you'll understand why personally it means so much to me. To have a daughter graduated with a teaching degree. Maybe she's a base doctor graduate. I don't know. You'll see next week. week. Doesn't give absolute details. But I will assume Based stock of graduate. She started teaching. She loves teaching. The students love her. Know what it means to have a good teacher? I just asked the gra- a great-grandson yesterday who's first grade in Rabbi Stein's also school system. I said, how is school? All right, he's a bright kid. He's a good kid, but he said, wonderful. I love it. Well, when a kid talks like that, what, what made, put BMT on the map? We were the granddaddy of all the schools. No one realizes it. You, you, you should come over and hug me. I'm the only survivor of the original faculty. What we did, kid, Kenny, did you ever hear kids speak evil of BMT? A few. Yeah, kids. Kids loved it. Always being taught. Good teachers. Imagine a kid, little Kenny, is taking a class with Nechama Leibovich. Look at him. Look at his face. Look at his face. Max, you weren't Seicher. Yes, you weren't Seicher. Yomo, did you ever study with Nechama Leibovich? No. No? Okay. No, no. She died already. Well, we were like this. It just breaks, but life moves on. Her parents, this girl, a wonderful teacher. Her parents have a business. Stop teaching. You have to come into the business. This is your future. This is our business. This is who we depend upon. 
No. No. Ifs and buts. Family business. We want you here. Not in this school. And of course, here you have the question. Keep it up the aim. They're demanding into the business. And it's not, these are wealthy people. They can manage without the daughter. You got to see the children. But their insistence, their mentality, could be it's a Haredi mentality. Oh, we want our daughter under our eyes. I can tell you, Machal, I started teaching in the Chutzlaritz program. Actually, I started teaching Machal in 71. 72 already, I was teaching full-time, part of it in the regular Mechala and part of it in foreign students. That was 71, I started teaching in Mechon Gold. There were, I would say, none, maybe, maybe later there were two exceptions. No girls from Eitot HaMishrach in Machal, or Mohon Gold. No girls from Flatbush. Found out the mentality, the parents. You have a daughter, you don't send her away. You keep her under your eyes. That was their mentality. Could be that's the parents here. Later in life, I remember I had one fabulous girl who married a BMT boy. But they didn't come in Aliyah. He's a doctor in Flatbush. Family worked out very nicely. Good, from people, raised wonderful children. She was a first, she is a first cousin to Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's mother made a bad mistake marrying out. She married an Ashkenazi. Had she remained in Flatbush and married within the Syrian community, she would be a Shomer Torah Mitzvah totally. Follow me? It's part of their culture. She married Seinfeld and Ashkenazi. Some parts remained, some parts fell away. Jerry Seinfeld knows how to adopt him perfectly. He knows a get, he knows a Brit Mila, knows a pigeon haben. Are you aware of it or not? All this one Friday night show when I, Jerry Fonso's at the Kotel, he's dominating like everyone else. Follow? But these, that was the mentality. Today already, all the flatfish girls are all over the place. It's a different mentality. They recognize that coming to Israel for a year greatly aids the Torah commitment. It supplements, it complements, and enhances, it strengthens today. Could be these were the parents' mentality. What? My daughter should go to a school. Teachers, students, parents of students. No. Water in the office under my eye. And she's a gifted teacher. What should she do? Is there Kibar or not?
Okay. Interesting question. I have, uh, I'll show you sources next week, and uh, I'll tie it all up with previous, uh, the, the previous, previous, previous question. All right, so what did we do today? Baruch Hashem, still with winter, but uh, I think by a week from now, we're going to be back to spring. Still with winter. What did we do? We raised the question. Uh, Mother-in-law, father-in-law, washing dishes, making the beds, carrying the packages in from the car, the shopping. And the answer was simple. If that's what your mother-in-law wants, Adarabba the Adarabba. And the Tosfat, Rabbi Shmuel's mother, Ritzona Kvoda. But then Rabbi Nasha Klein gives Musa. And Kenny, these are the younger generation. Do you imagine Max is going to go home and say, God only made you my wife to cook, clean, wash the dishes, and take care of the babies. No, yes, he think you could get away with that statement. Yeah, uh, we can get. I could get away with it. Kenny, maybe partially you could get away, or not at all. Not at all. Send regards to Annie. One day, surprised me, come with Annie to class. Ugh. You have no idea how many memories come back. I, uh, if you love teaching, there's no greater calling in the world. Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabban Shel Yisrael. Understand, lo kam Moshe old. And I, Baruch Hashem. And when I walked into my dear Leona, my dermatologist, the minute she told me you made the year, my year, and I knew right away what she was talking about. It was a difficult year. There was a, a whole problem with the girls wearing pants at a party that the, uh, came back to the Rabbi Koopman, and he got very, uh, you don't know what went on. It was terrible. Jafta. Rabbi, you have to understand where you're coming from, who your students are. And also, Rome wasn't built in a day. Creating Torah is a gradual process. The same thing now with the draft. I'm waiting to see what they come up with because there's no way you can, I mean, I don't know what the Lapid wants, but there's no way you're going to, what, arrest 50,000 people? <laughs> what are you going to do? Where are you going to put them? But if you can come up with a process that will be accepted by most, so you begin slowly. But then it becomes a flood. Everyone joins in. It's like, Kenny, when you came to Israel, not everyone came to Israel. Today, when you graduate high school, if you don't go to Israel, there's something the matter with you. They look askance at you. Hello? So, this was Rabbi Klein. 
However, what he had to say is lightweight compared to Rav Meishet Deutsch. And I wonder, I wonder, are there Hungarians? There, there must be, there has to be. Can't be every Hungarian marriage functions on that level. So I will leave it to the sociologists and psychologists to do research. The Shalom al Yisrael. We set the stage for next week. What a question. We want you in business. And the girl is a fabulous teacher, loved by her students. Kibar Aviyem, what should she do? Gentlemen, are there any questions? Tomorrow, Hashem, we pick up. Tomorrow, it's, what I'm going into is interesting because, you know, Yomo thinks for Lushen with Kulo Kodesh, never problems. You should see the problems that begin. And there's a direct relationship to Lushen, to Yeshiva University today. Merkas Harav, Merkas Harav, Hamor, Yeshiva do not function only in a ghetto. And there are a lot of influences out there. How do you balance it out? And uh, tomorrow we'll be dealing with that with, with Lajan, reached in Itziv, the family, the rabbinic seminaries. It's a world of innovation. And how do we keep the ship moving despite all the waves around it? How do we find the ability to go back to what I said in Shir an hour ago? Yafta lekim liyafet v'yishkom v'yaholeshen. Yomo, give us the world and... Uh, Steve, Steve Bressler, is that you? Yeah, okay, good. Good to see you. Wow. Okay. All right. Recording stopped. Okay. Are there any questions, comments from around the world? Okay. All right, until we meet again tomorrow morning. Uh, one second. Nachum, did you want to say something? No? Saluting, okay. To sign uh, everything here at home. And I see, uh, all right, Steve Bressler makes me very happy. Halavai, better health, better health for everyone. Until we meet again in health and happiness tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Dasvidanya. Okay.